Valerie, thank you for being a guest today. Welcome to the future of fashion business. Bonjour. Nice to be here with you today. Bonjour. <laughs> Ça va. I hope my French is not that off. I mean, I'm not American, so my accent can't be as bad as the one that you're used to. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I mean, I, I, I kind of like wish we started recording the episode better and spoke a little bit more about the products that you, you sent over, which I do want to give a quick shout out to the Odessite comp company for sending those things over. They're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, let's see. In order to get the conversation started, uh, I usually, and by the way, before we actually get into that type of thing, can you just quickly introduce yourself and what you do just so that the audience that is not familiar with, you know, Valerie Grandjury and Odessite as a company know a little bit more of who they'll be learning from today? Yes. So my name is Valerie Grandjury and I am the founder and the CEO of Audacity, which is a skincare company. Um, I like to say that Audacity is as French as it is Californian, which is my case. I've lived exactly half of my life in France where I was born and I grew up and then I moved to California in 2000, which was going to be only for two years. It's been 23, so never make too many plans. Um, and uh, I launched Audacity in 2009. And this is really uh, a brand that pioneered what is now known as the clean beauty movement. And uh, for those who are not uh, very knowledgeable about clean beauty, what uh, clean beauty is, is a different approach to skincare where we focus on the high performance, the results, but all this in a formula that's very pure, completely natural. So it's really what I call, you know, the best of two worlds. And that also loops into my French California DNA because, you know, from the French side, it's really all about that extraordinary, you know, um, craftsmanship, the clinical science beside, you know, behind the French skincare, the, the, the refinement, the luxury, the results, right? But all this, you know, mixed into the, friendly, the friendliness of California. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the clean and the green and the healthy and the, you know, the bon mean, the healthy glow of California. Okay. Awesome. But well, I'm going to ask you the most important question, which is how long did it take you to present yourself and the brand without the French, without the French accent? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that as much as I try hard, you know, 23 years, I still have this French accent that sticks to me. But yeah. it's really funny because when you've lived so long, you know, and um, and not your original country, it feels like you don't speak any language well anymore. You know, it's like, you know, I dream half in French, half in English, you know, everything is kind of, you know, my French is very good, but it has a slight American accent and my American has a slight French accent. So this is what happens. When I struggle with the world. same issue, which I'm sure that if people listen to the podcast for a while, they can. So like, I, I get people sometimes tell me like, you have this weird accent where it sounds like you're trying to make an American accent, but it's not really an American accent. No, so I can understand, I can understand the struggles. Well, let's see, let's dive into the, uh, the sort of like business topics now, now that we've had like a very uh, rough introduction of who you are and what you guys do. Uh, this is called fire questions and the whole premise of it, I'll ask you a couple of questions that are typically difficult questions or a lot, require a lot of time to think about. Uh, but you're only going to have 10 to 15 seconds to answer them. 
Okay. And it will, it'll help us in the sense that it will be a little bit more entertaining to get a conversation flowing, mm -hmm. but also it'll help, help me as a guest and you as, I mean, me as a host and you as a guest to sort of like get used to start transitioning to more difficult topics. All right. Okay. Okay. So first question is what do you think is overrated entrepreneurial advice? That's such a good question. Um, I think that, um, uh, the advice that you need to be an expert in the domain that you are going to be entrepreneuring in. And uh, for me, it could not be more true. And I know I have to answer in 15 seconds, but I can develop later. That's fine. No, that's the point. The, the point is if, <laughs> if, it, if it organically, because I already want to ask you questions in regards to that topic, because yeah. that's very interesting. So, so for me, it was really interesting because the, the reason why I created Audacity is uh, because I had breast cancer. And um, I used to produce commercials. And that's actually why I came to LA. And um, and it was an, an event in my life that really forced me to kind of reevaluate re everything and realize that I really had to make very healthy choices. And um, and I made this promise to myself that, you know, I would be super mindful from now on until the end of my life with everything that I was putting in my body you know, in my thoughts, but also on my skin, you know, your skin is the largest organ in your body. So what you apply on your skin truly, truly matters. And what was interesting is, you know, as a French woman living in Los Angeles, it was super easy to find healthy food. It was super easy to find a good yoga class, a, a great meditation teacher, you know, a beautiful hike, nature and everything. But when it came to skincare, I could not find the level of performance, luxury, craftsmanship that, you know, I grew up, uh, you know, with French skincare that would meet my newly adopted, like clean, healthy, green California lifestyle. And um, that's when I decided to create Audacité. But uh, I didn't know nothing about skincare. Um, and... What was it, what is really interesting today is that the level of both performance, purity, and sensoriality that I wanted could not be done by an external lab. Mm. And um, most skincare companies have a third-party lab, but it didn't make any sense to me to create something in you know in huge quantity um, and where you have absolutely no control over the ingredients that go you know into your I was going to say into your food, but into your formula. Like for me, I want to know where is my acai berry come from? How is it grown? How is it harvested? How is it pressed? How is it extracted? Because I want to grab really the essence of the plant. So here I am. I know nothing about skincare. And I say, well, I'm going to build my own lab. And, um, and it's really, if I look at it, it's really, really crazy. And only because I didn't know anything about it. I built my own lab and not only I built my own lab, but I wanted it to have the European certification, which is called EcoCert, which is the strictest standard in terms of uh, clean skincare. It comes from France. And um, so I had the audit, we built this lab. And honestly, today, it's my biggest asset. And mm. had I known anything about skincare, I would not have done it this way. I would have said it's impossible to get, I would have stopped to the fact that labs could not manufacture the way I wanted to create my formula 
which is really by having the control of every single ingredient that goes into the formula and being able to work directly. I mean, we work with the most amazing farmers from all around the world and we give them, we know which season, you know, they go and pick up, you know, the berries or, you know, they press the oil. They do it for us and it comes directly to our labs. So I can give you that level of concentration of nutrients that you can't find anywhere else. Of course, it's the benefits of vertically integrated companies is you have complete control of the supply chain process or manufacturing process. Therefore, you can offer a better product. But as you said, easier said than done, because it's probably one of the most challenging things, if not one of the most challenging, the most challenging things that you can do as a beauty or fashion brand. So in a sense, it was that ignorance was your biggest competitive advantage, ironically. And after that, you know, if you have, I really truly believe if you have the vision and the passion and passion is like 100% necessary because you're going to go through like all kinds of tough time. And the only thing that drives drives you is the passion and mm. the capacity of being a super, super hard worker. The rest of the team you can hire. You know, I have a, a lab director who's this amazing person. And uh, we work in team. And also she always says, you know, it's amazing to work with you because you you don't stop at the challenges. You say, okay, this is my vision. I want this make it happen and if i did know how to, how people normally create you know uh, a skincare uh, cream mm. i would never have this like freshness of reinventing every formula to a level of you know uh performance it's almost call it like i want like every single drop that touches your skin to create magic mm. Interesting. So what other strength do you think you had starting off other than ignorance that allowed you to pursue this? Was it, you said passion, but was there anything else that in hindsight you were like, okay, this was also a very important part of the formula. Sure. And um, so for 14 years before I started Audacity, I produced commercial everywhere in the world. And um, this was a time when we didn't have video, everything was shot in 35 mil. Um, no special effects. So when you had to put a car on an airplane carrier, you had to put the car on an airplane carrier. You couldn't, you know, green screen it. And um, I produced a lot of really, really high budget car commercials all over the world. And honestly, it teaches you, I think that the world of production is amazing. It's super creative. It allowed me to work with some of like really insane directors and to really feel like nothing is impossible. You know, I, I built a road on the border of a volcano and where we airlifted everything so that, you know, because there was no road and then take it out. So I've, I've done things. So, so for me, I have this, and sometimes it's dangerous too, because I always think, oh, well, you know, let's do it. But, uh, but also the, you know, the, when you produce commercials, you have a very short time, right? And uh, you have to double check every single thing, you know, to make sure that when you arrive on set, you know, everything is here because otherwise, you know, <laughs> you're not going to stay on budget. So it, mm. it allows you to be super organized and to work with very many different people 
with um, you know different uh, personality and characters, and uh, it's kind of a mini world in a few days. Mm. Um, and I think that was really my big strength is like that nothing is impossible. And and you know sometimes honestly people ask me, okay, if you had to redo it today, I probably would not do it because of everything I know. <laughs> of course. Yeah, it's 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 exactly what you said. Ignorance can be one of the biggest and most important advantages because, you know, it's there's there's a saying that when you when you're starting out and you eventually succeed, you don't know if you were too smart or just too dumb to quit. <laughs> yes, actually, and usually it's the latter. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a mix of both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. So when when you do look at the current environment. And you look in hindsight to the biggest strengths that you had back when you started, which were, again, essentially ignorance, persistence, and willingness to work hard, but also accessibility to production and understanding of production at a time when that was a very valuable skill set. How would those two skills or advantages translate today? Do you think they are equally as important, the ignorance and motivation to pursue something that you're interested in, disregarding of your experience level? And your familiarity with production or how to communicate an idea visually? Do you think it still applies today or do you think the landscape has changed sort of like the importance of those skill sets today? Well, I think the ignorance is gone. Mm, <laughs> you know, of course. It's, been, uh, it's been 14 years. We will we turn 14 in June. So, um, you know, most of the ignorance is, is gone, but not the creativity that comes with the ignorance, you know, mm. that, that uh, um, you know, I still think of you know if I put a product in in the world, it's not about just putting another tinted sunscreen. We just launched a tinted sunscreen in the world. Is really to look into okay, what is the pain point, right? And going with that, anything is possible mentality is what is the pain point. And um, so we speak a lot to our community. Um, we, uh, we listen to them, we do survey, uh, we speak to our retailers, um, and we try to understand, you know, what is missing, you know, because there are thousands of tinted sunscreen on the market. What, what can you recreate that is better for, for your skin, you know, mm. and also better for the planet. And, um, and I think that's where that strength is still there, that creativity of thinking, okay, I can solve a pain point and come with something very innovative. And, um, and obviously living in California really helps because this is really a fertile ground for, um, you know, creativity where people always encourage you to innovate, no matter how crazy you are, mm -hmm. they really push you. And that, that's one of the reasons why I really I say, you know, Paris is my city of birth, but Los Angeles is my city of choice. I love this energy that that is, you know, you feel safe to to become an entrepreneur. You know that, okay, if I fail, I fail, you know, but just everybody really encourages you to to think different, to think bigger. And and uh, that is a big motivation for me. So I think, you know, the part of the ignorance is gone, but but the creativity of doing something different is you know is still here mm. and the hard work yes it is um if anyone is thinking of becoming an entrepreneur you need to love to work because it never stops <laughs> mm, of course and when you think about that particular word 
or words, love to work or passion and how it is an essential ingredient in the formula for success. How, how did you know that you were passionate about you, what you were doing? Did it all start as an insecurity and over time evolved into a passion? Was it something that you just felt incredibly curiosity towards? Like how can people that are analyzing themselves and their own processes understand that what they're doing is something that they're passionate about? Because that's, I think that's the biggest disadvantage of having access to so many different things through social media is that you almost never truly know where you're at because you're always comparing from you know, comparing yourself to somebody else, your values, your beliefs, your goals, your objectives. So if passion is such an important part of the compass that guides you through that process, how can people start understanding where it all comes from? Mm -hmm. uh, it's such a good question. I think you, you need to lead with your heart, not your head. Mm. And that's for me is the most important for me. It was, um, you know, I chose a healing journey that was um, quite different than um, standard Western medicine because standard Western medicine didn't have an option for me. Um, it was basically being given five years to live 16 years ago. And so I really looked into, okay, what are, you know, other approach can I bring into my life to really create a body in which cancer cannot grow anymore. And I'm not a doctor, I want to say, but I worked with a lot of integrative doctors that approach cancer as, as you know, in a different angle, instead of looking just at the symptom, they look at the body that created it and change the body so that in my case, it cannot grow or it cannot come back. Hmm. And, um, and I became, and, and I think it comes from being a producer. I really took my healing journey as a production. You know, I said, okay, now mm. you give yourself six months and 100% of your time is going to be dedicated to heal. Mm -hmm. And I put a battle plan in place with a lot of, you know, different thera therapy. Of course, I also had some Western medicine, but I fused, you know, the Western medicine with complementary medicine, which is also, if you look at Audacity, the clinical grade, you know, ingredient with the high quality botanical. So it's kind of, you know, it has, it's very foundational to the company. And I became, I mean, first the results were amazing, you know, after six months, I was cancer free, but I became so passionate. It was life-changing for me in so many ways. Um, a personal discovery and incredible personal growth mm. that I really wanted to share this with the world and find a way to share it with the world. And I didn't go directly into starting a skincare company. Of course. I actually went back to school to become a health and wellness coach. And I started coaching people into their own, you know, healing journey. And while I was doing this, I couldn't find the kind of skincare that I wanted. So I started to make them literally in my kitchen for myself first, but using also all the connection that I had for 14 years of shooting commercials all over the world to source the incredible ingredients that are ancestral beauty botanicals known for thousands of years from many, many countries in the world. And it made such a huge difference on my skin that people started to ask me what I was doing. 
So mm. I started to make products for private clients and it, through word of mouth, it hit a couple of celebrities in LA and through word of mouth, instead of coaching, I was making products for people. And, um, and that's when at one point after two, oh, a little over two years of doing this, I decided, okay, I need to, uh, to start my company. So the passion came from that, you know, you know, a lot of people say that from pain, you find purpose. Mm. And for me, it was really a purpose is how do I redefine a way to care for myself, you know, others, and also this beautiful planet. And it's really, there's a lot of um, legacy in it. I mm. really wanted to disrupt an industry that I felt was dusty. You know, mm. I felt like the products I was applying on my skin were the same that my grandmother did. You know, I don't use the same phone that my grandmother. So why should my skincare be the same thing? So I think it was very, um, it was really coming from the heart, from my soul. I really wanted to make a difference and disrupt this industry. Mm. And honestly, today, clean beauty is the fastest growing segment of the beauty industry and nothing can make me more happy. Interesting. And do you think if you hadn't had listened to the news that you only had a, you know, a specific time to live, do you think you would have made the decision? Never. I was, you know, I think that's, that's also the, you know, uh, the sad truth is, you know, you have fun, you have a big house in the Hollywood Hills, you party a lot, you travel all over the world, you shoot with incredible directors, you know, why change? <laughs> mm, of course. Um, so so what um, was what was the uh, can you take me a little bit more through the thought process of that period? What was the motivator? Was there an emptiness beneath, behind all that glamour? Was there a sense of you feeling that you needed to make the rest of the time that you had worthwhile and then that transition into a business. What was your thought process like during that I period? I think I definitely knew somewhere, um, definitely subconsciously that something had to change. Um, it was also um, a moment where um, uh, my children were uh, starting to leave the house mm. and um, and um, there was a lot of change that year that happened. And I think that subconsciously I knew it. It's just, I just didn't want to admit it. And somehow this, you know, being faced with, you know, a potential deadly disease pushed me into making a change. And for me, it was, very drastic. I mean, everything changed. You know, I I I quit my job. I sold the big party house in the Hollywood Hills. I moved to a complete beautiful, serene place, which is between LA and Malibu, which is called Topanga Canyon, where everything is nature. And you know, you wake up in the morning, it smells like sage. At night, it smells like jasmine. You feel that like, you know, you see the ocean. I mean, it's just really incredible. And um, and I started yoga and meditation every day. I mean, I went like, I 100% changed everything. I adopted um, a living food diet, 100% vegan. And really for the first time in my life, it was also a moment where I decided to spend all of my time taking care of myself. I was very lucky that I was able to take the six months off, you know, by selling the house. But, um, but it was, um, 
it was a necessary down point that really pushed me into making the changes. And what is interesting today, how does it translate into, you know, uh, my work and my team is that I know that when you have challenges, you know, in your company, you have to look at it as a way to learn mm. and to grow and to change. And so it's it's been like an incredible teacher uh, that I really apply every single day um, with my team. Of course. Yeah. Pain plus reflection equals progress. Yes. Interesting. And if you had to give advice to a listener that is contemplating about more like the philosophical part of, you know, the entrepreneurial experience, do you think everybody sort of like needs to go to a, through a similar process of, you know, because everybody, everybody, I think superficially gets attracted to these industries because of the fun, right? The status, the travels, the people, the cool products. Um, when you actually get there, you realize that that is not enough to feel you long-term. So you have to transition to something that's a little bit more spiritually fulfilling, whatever that means. If Do you think people need to go through that process themselves? Or do you think that through education, people and self-reflection, people can have better entrepreneurial foundations if they truly understand what fulfills them spiritually and start based on that? Well, I think that it's fantastic if you have the, the kind of mind that is able to really assess, okay, where do I see myself in five years? Where, how, what does it look like? What happiness, what does happiness look like? I think, you know, there is this kind of myth that people think that being an entrepreneur is so much fun and, you know, you can take time whenever you want. It's exactly the opposite. The opposite, yeah. <laughs> So, and, you know, social media are very bad about this because you have all these entrepreneurs that, you know, it's, that are pretending to be, it, you know, make it happy and fulfilled. Exactly. So mm -hmm. you have moments of very big low and it's a very, it's a very low, you know, you're very alone because you have to make those decisions at the end, you know, as you know, the CEO of the company, the decision are yours and you need to be also comfortable with the fact that it might not be a great decision, you know, but you have to do it. Some are just very urgent. So to answer your question, I really admire people that have the maturity and the reflection and the spirituality to really know, okay, exactly where do I want to go in five years? But I'm also a great believer that um, necessity is the mother of all inventions. So if you find something that you really feel you need personally, I love the personal aspect, you know, for me, it's like, you know, I love to buy from, from, you know, company led business because it's just, it's very personal. Hmm. And, um, and if you have, you know, uh, a personal, you know, passion or everything, just, you know, go there, but the opportunity, if you're capable of catching it, when it shows up, the, I'm really a firm believer that, opportunity you know comes up if someone would have told me i'd be here doing a podcast with you you know a few years ago i would be like okay you're crazy i'm i'm you know i'm producing commercial why would i be the founder of a skincare company and so to just stay open to the fact that opportunities do happen and if it truly resonates you know remember i said lead with your heart not with your head because your heart mm. is not lying 
um, lead with your heart and obviously use your head <laughs> after, but lead with that, with that intention that coming from something that you truly feel is going to make you happy in five years. Mm. And that's why I guess the first step is so important, right? Because there is an endless level of complexity to life and your career. So you can ponder about these questions, you know, but nobody's smart enough to understand them and plan and create a strategy to adapt to all the possible scenarios. So it really all just starts with what am I going to do today? What am I going to do tomorrow? And then sort of like everything evolves from those simple things. Absolutely. Interesting. And when you analyze everything that you have done so far, how much do you think was luck? How much do you think was strategy? How much do you think was luck because of strategy and persistence? What do you, what do you um, credit all of your success so far to? So, you know, someone told me, you know, how do you spell luck? And it's W-O-R-K. Um, and um, I, I kind of believe this. Um, I think that, um, you know, the luck is you, you, your capacity to catch an opportunity when it presents itself. This is for me the, the luck part. Mm. And I think that was the lucky part for me that I sensed that if this was a product that I felt so strongly I needed personally, um, you know, that, you know, kind of once and for all, you know, settle the opposition between traditional skincare and natural skincare and really fuse them together to create something truly different. Um, I just, I was so 100% sure that other women and a few men too, <laughs> Uh, would feel the same way and um and for me this is really that the you know the essence of if you go into a new business um you know look at the necessity what do you need what mm. what is missing in your life what do you want to create that is going to make a difference how big do you want your company to potentially do you want it to scale not to scale uh, you know just all this question and then just run with it. And, you know, my company is called Audacité, which is a, a, a French play on the word audacity for, for the, and audacity has been everywhere in my life. It's just, I, I really think that it's not because, you know, life is difficult that we don't dare. It's because we don't dare that we make life difficult. Mm. And so for me, that just like there, there to really, go after what you think you need you absolutely need because if you need it there is a good chance that other people also need it mm. interesting and how does that philosophy translate into your current business model and your future business ambitions business ambitions do you find yourself uh, more of growth focused on growth do you think that having a business is there to be a tool for your life and your lifestyle? How does that philosophy translate to your specific mm -hmm. business model and ambitions? Yeah. So it for me, you know, when I created Audacity, there was this um, idea of longevity. I, you know, I wanted to have a very sustainable business. And I think it it might also, you know, I don't come from the tech world where, you know, you have to have 300% or 1000% growth, you know, in the year. 
And, um, and I really am very clear about this vision. You know, I really want my great, great granddaughter one day to say, oh, you know, that city is my great, great grandmother that started it. You know, that's the French, that's the French person in you. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so it's very, you know, that sustainability, that foundational is, um, is very important. I really uh, always said, you know, we're going to bring like incredible foundation and how do I do that? is by making the best product possible is really mm. focusing on the product and this is still 100% what motivates everybody in my team is really how do we make the best product possible because i think you know if you do that then the rest is going to happen mm-hmm. you might need investor money to make it happen faster but if you still consistently like don't compromise and it's easy to compromise, you know, as you grow, you know, you, we like, you know, our, our products are in 44 different countries and very prestigious, you know, retailers and five stars per destination. And, um, and when you grow and you have your own lab, you always like, Oh, maybe I cut this corner, you know, it's, but if you, if you stick to that, you know, put the money in the product, in the research, in, you know, in really giving your clientele something different, something that feels, feeds, you know, this white space, then I don't think you need investors money, but Mm. you just have to have the patience to grow something that's extremely sustainable. And the thing is, the reality today is that I don't know anyone who can say that, you know, social media advertising works. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's very competitive market. You need a lot of money to, to make a dent in, you know, in this advertising world. So it's just, you know, your, our biggest, you know, growth driver, our own client. And um, because they just become, you know, sometimes we say, oh, we don't have clients, we have fans, right? Mm. But, uh, but this is like, we nurture them, we speak to them a lot, we listen to them, we make sure they're happy, you know, it's really focusing on our clients and the product that we bring to market for them. Mm. And what do you think has been the biggest help for you to stay consistent, consistently disciplined in that approach? me <laughs> yes <laughs> i think it's just like it's again it's so personal it's like you know i don't waver if it's a i'm going to give you an example we we launched two years ago a night cream and um and my benchmark was i wanted 70 percent of the people that tried it to tell me that they saw a difference in hydration the next morning after just one night and that mm-hmm. was my benchmark and um, we reformulated this night cream 22 times. And only because we have our own lab can we afford to do that because it takes so long normally to make one formula. But, you know, we changed the base. We put like fresh organic pomegranate juice as the base, you know, instead of water, it is never water in my product. You start with a product, with a liquid part that's so bursting with nutrients. And then we folded in vitamin C, COQ10, ashwagandha. Bref, we reformulated 22 times and we got to 86% of our test panel that said they saw a huge difference after just one night. So 
I don't waver on that. This is for the moment. I, I'm still in the position where, you know, I can say, okay, this is not good, not good enough, not good enough, reformulate, mm -hmm. reformulate until we get something where I feel, okay, this is going to make a difference. Of course. And have you never raised investors? Because obviously I think that that's part of like the most challenging things is that when you're starting off, it, it might be just as easy as, okay, I am disciplined enough as a CEO to make these decisions and I can make these, these decisions, right? But over time as businesses grow, it's not as easy as, oh, the CEO can make those decisions. No, there's shareholders, there's, there's board members with different incentives, with different goals. So yeah. what has been your approach to that? Has it been to completely so, avoid outside influence? Has it been to so control it? I I was like, okay, we're fine. We don't need investors. And then we went into COVID. Mm. And um, it was talk about a challenge. You know, COVID hit. We have 70% of our business is done with retailers. Every single one is closing one after the other one, calling us saying, oh, we can't make payments. You know, we don't know when we're going to be able to make payments. You self-funded, you know, you bootstrapped. <laughs> well, you like, bootstrapped until COVID. So you were bootstrapped for 12, 10 years. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And um, and you're wondering, okay, how am I going to make payroll? You know, but it, it's just like all of a sudden, yeah, like, like your whole cash flow plan is like, is about to collapse, right? So we really had to um, uh, to restructure. And also we had an army of, we, we would call beauty ambassador that were working, you know, in the field. And um, obviously there was no stores to work in. So we had to let go about 37 people that were working in the field. Um, it was super tough for me. I love my team and every single person that works with me. It was really tough. We we definitely had help, you know, from the PPP and other things. But um, and somehow the magic happened is that everybody went shop online. And that was like for us, you know, we made it through COVID with an incredible growth on our D2C and for our retailers, it also forced them to push the, and we ended up the year in a very, very good position. But at that point I said, okay, I'm not doing this again. This is like, I can't, I, I mean, I almost lost my sanity. Um, so we did raise money and um, I had really identified five people that I thought were a good fit for Dacité, which, you know, which is really about what I was saying about focusing on the formula. And um, I, I, I did it without an investment bankers because all over through those 12 years, you know, I received a lot of email from people that were interested. So I reached out to five, we got four great offers. And, um, but we picked one because the reason why they chose Audacity was the formula. Mm. They understood that the the you know what makes Audacity stand apart is actually the formula. And I thought, okay, this is fantastic for me because they're gonna really respect, you know, my choice of you know, in the world of ingredients, you can there is you know not all of them are created equal. Uh, you can buy an acai oil very cheap, or you can buy it, you know, from the source, you know, pressed with the pulp and the seeds so that it's, it becomes so charged in polyphenol that it's a little bomb of nutrients, right? And so I always choose this kind of ingredient. So it is, you know, I was talking about no compromise. This is still the kind of 
you know, the level of the botanical that we reach for, they're very often like 10 times more expensive than a standard one. And mm. I wanted to have that freedom and um, they completely understood it. So they have a minority uh, stakeholder in the company and they're amazing partner. Mm, interesting. And how do you balance or approach those difficult periods where you have to compromise the long-term or potentially compromise the long-term benefit of or the long-term interest of the company versus the short-term requires required to maybe even survive? You know, because I think it's you're always making those decisions as an entrepreneur, right? It's you're quantifying what are the most important decisions to make, which are usually long term versus the, the decisions that are required that you are required to make short term for either survival or, you know, shareholder incentives. So what's your personal decision process look like when it comes to those two variables? Um, you know, it's um, I think it's I want to say it's almost organic, you know, um, you know, what's important and not urgent that's your long-term vision um and for me it's you know the quality of you know the product that we produce and then you have what's important and urgent versus a short term right so you know and for you know in the case of covid for example it's like we were full growth company it's like a boat with all the sails out going into the perfect storm right um so you just have to you know, you find and that maybe is the commercial producer inside of me, you know, you have a solution. You just bring back the sales in, you weather the storm and then you'll pop out of it. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's being capable of doing, you know, very quick, very flexible, you know, you can't just, you know, I, you know, I love the word strategy and it's, it, and I, understand it is really important to have a strategy but you need to stay flexible mm. because... yes like Mike Tyson said everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face exactly <laughs> interesting and what was the biggest lesson that you learned through that experience was it exactly that or was it something uh, else yeah I think I also you know realized and it's a little bit like you know when I went through, you know, my healing journey, I think I, you know, I realized, okay, I can, I can do it, you know, actually stronger than I think I am. Um, and, um, and yeah, and we, we did it, we survived, we came out of it, you know, in a, in a great position. Um, you also, what's really remarkable is that, you know, when you come back to a core team, you know, I have people that work for me since the beginning. So, um, so it's just like, you feel like, okay, everybody got together. Um, everybody looked at it. Okay. We're going to do it together. We're going to make it happen. So there was also that incredible, you know, um, feeling that the whole team was, you know, behind a plan and they knew it. And also I'm like super open with the team. You know, I did, okay, this is what's happening you know, um, and it doesn't take a genius in math to understand that if we don't get paid by our clients, you know, I'm going to have a hard time to, to make payrolls. So, and quickly you readapt, you know, the strategy, you change, we changed the strategy. We went hundred percent, you know, social media. That was like the answer, you know, we did like live, we invited people. I was on it all the time, you know, 
And, um, and yeah, and it was a, a, in a way it was, you know, such an incredible experience that you come out of it thinking, wow, I have such an incredible team around me. And the team is, you know, is everything, you know, mm. I'm definitely not a one person show. It's really all about the team that surrounds me that, you know, make the company happen. I mean, we also do our own shipping here because I'm also very particular on the way I want the shipping to happen. Um, so it's really important for me to have this, you know, quality that kind of, you know, covers not only our lab, but the shipping and, you know, how we work together. Interesting. And under the premise that, you know, what we've been speaking about, that pain plus reflection equals progress. Uh, and uh, some of the most painful experiences that you'd have to go through in your entrepreneurial journey has been, you know, number one, going through the uh, cancer period, COVID. What other very painful experiences happen to be one of the biggest and most productive signs or experiences for progress have you got have to go through? You know, I I can't think of one right now. Another, uh, I mean, COVID was such a big one. It feels it makes it, it makes everything else it makes everything else irrelevant. I mean, we have we have. I have to say that to anybody who's listening, if you want to start your company, you're gonna have problems every single day to deal with. You know, you have. You know, I mean, I can't tell you about logistic issue of you know packaging that doesn't make it through custom or you know a weird law or a weird tax or yeah yeah, yeah. so that that happens you know all the time you have something to solve we had i can give you an example we we buy our rose water which is uh, freshly steamed distilled from roses that come from lebanon um, because it's a kind of rose that has an incredible subtle scent that makes you feel like you're just putting your nose on a white rose it's really extraordinary rose and um we were launching this new line of serum and the rose water is stuck in custom and it's just no matter what we do we can't get it out of custom so we had to push the launch by two weeks and you i mean those two weeks where everybody all the retailers everybody's waiting where is my order where is it coming you know how come, you know, and you have to deal with everybody and explain that your rose water is blocking customs. But again, you to go back to that no compromise, we could have said, okay, well, let's just get an, any kind of rose water because it's widely available. But I didn't know the quality of the other rose water. So I wasn't ready to say, okay, you know what? Let's calm. Everybody calms down. It's going to be two weeks. We need another an extra two weeks, but we're going to launch this product with the right ingredients. And in the end, in the big picture game, you know, two weeks is, you know, is a, it's really a nightmare for my sales team that has to talk to all our retailers, but it's not a very big deal. Hmm. Interesting. And how has your skill set evolved over the years? Did you find yourself being very, very good at one thing when you were starting and then progressively? realize I knew were better other things as you've developed? Um, you know, I think I'm a really great solution finder. Mm. That, that also probably comes from, you know, my background in, you know, in production. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not super good at um, managing people because I'm not very patient. And, um, and uh, I'm trying to improve myself all the time. Um, I also, you know, I'm, I'm part of a generation that was 
um, also much more direct. You know, when there's a problem, you you say it in French too. And you're so, are you from Paris? Yeah, I'm from Paris. So and you're you know, from Paris. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know the the Parisians like if there's a problem, they, they straight in your face immediately. There's no um, no gloves, you know. And um, so I really that is something that I work on every single day. I'm learning a lot from you know the 20 year olds that work here is just how to you know really come to someone with an issue and present it in a softer nicer way than my very uh french parisian <laughs> interesting wow and what well i mean it's it's pretty straightforward that product is the it has been the most important principle when it comes to your long-term success but do you think much about because it the thing about business is that it's it's so it's so adaptive and you have to balance being and staying true to constants like product quality yet at the same time adapt to the novelty of technology or the novelty and changes of behavior and consumers so how do you navigate the unpredictable and complex landscape of business while still remaining true with the constant belief of product quality. Because I think that is as the world becomes faster, the more people struggle with that. Yes. Um, so, um, you know, I spoke at the beginning of, of this chat about timing. Mm. And um, I, I ever, you know, timing is everything, you know, when you meet the right person, you know, when you start your company, when you come to market with a specific product. And the, the, the great thing about having our own lab is that if we identify a trend, we can come to market much faster than, you know, than a bigger company like a L'Oreal would probably take three, four years, maybe to, to come to market where us from ideation to launching a product we can sometimes do it in six months. So I think this is really a strength for us is to be uh, to have that capacity to come to market very quickly if we identify um, a trend. And then because we have our own lab, we don't need to produce like, you know, if you go to a third lab, they would ask you to produce a minimum order quantity that's very large and then you have to go sell it. But me, I can test. I can say, okay, well, let's, you know, let's do this body oil, you know, for Christmas and let's test it in our community, in our market to see what's the response and then, you know, feed it to there and then get the response. And do we launch it? Do we not launch it? Because I have the capacity to only make 5,000 units if I want mm. and, uh, and really test it. So for me, the, you know, the timing is really helping us. And we've been really ahead of the trend on many things that come into skincare. Um, you know, whether it came to really pioneering that clean beauty movement, you know, when I launched in 2009, I still remember my first uh, meeting with the press in New York. So I had no PR uh, company, no money. I figured out the email of the beauty editors and I sent them an email and said, meeting you while I'm in New York. Like, that was it. And for some reason, it was amazing. I had, I had like a really great response and I've met most of the big publication and um and i went to meet everybody and i still do it every every year almost every year i do it just to 
to chat, to tell them, you know, what we're working on, what we think is the trend and everything. And I remember my first meeting in, uh, in New York in 2009. Here I am, you know, explaining that I'm creating high performance natural skincare. And journalists are looking at me and say like, Valeria, it's fantastic. Your passion is amazing, but natural doesn't work. Mm. <laughs> so I said, well, just try it, right? And um, the timing, we, we came a little early to market, uh, to, to be honest. But the timing, to go back to the timing is, you know, we were one of the first brands to reintroduce into our line a gua sha, which is a tool that comes from traditional Chinese medicine that helps you massage your face in a specific way. Mm. And that has this incredible, you know, glow and lift effect on your skin. We just introduced a Creotech and we're working on, I think probably, I don't know about, I have not heard about it. How do we apply AI to mm. farming mm -hmm. so that we can create uh, plants, a specific plant? I can tell you more about it right now, but it, you will hear about it in September. How do we create a rare endemic protected plant in a specific environment mm -hmm. so that we can create this plant with uh, a really high concentration of active. And mm. this is done with an uh, engineer from Silicon Valley who's decided to completely change his life because he's done with Silicon Valley and has put in place a system where basically he, he teaches himself, you know, the gross environment that, you know, the plant needs in order to thrive and to have a high concentration of nutrients. So, so we've been working on this for two and a half years and uh, we have our first harvest that's happening right now. Mm. And I think it's going to be a, a big, um, a, a big change. I think this is a really where sourcing the right quality ingredient when you do personal care product is, is difficult. And we've even seen it more through COVID where there was a problem of logistic and, you know, getting the ingredients in time. So it's something that we need to solve also, especially if you think that, you know, um, we're born with sustainability in mind, right? But if you take from nature, you still take from nature. So, you know, how, how do I give back? How do I have a regenerative approach to sourcing ingredients? And, um, and this AI farming, I think, is going to be the future of, of really sourcing ingredients, especially for skincare. Interesting. And when you're analyzing current trends or future trends, is it an intuitive process for you? Like you just get an intuitive sense of what's coming next? So I think it's really because we're so connected with our community mm. um, and um, we listen to them all the time. Um, you know, what do you need? What do you want? What is missing? You know, uh, and then there is obviously, you know, listening to the whole, you know, yeah, just awareness life, overall, you know, yeah. of what's happening around you. And again, that's also one of the great things about living in California, as you know, that all the coolest trends start in California. So mm -hmm. here you're in the, your influence, whether you want it or not, you know, every day when you go out, when you meet people, by this incredible, you know, creative energy that that comes from California. Mm. So it's also nice to be located here, even if I miss, you know, sometimes France. <laughs> Interesting. And do you find the balance of having the awareness of what's going on with the world versus what's going on within your own company difficult? 
because sometimes it looks like it lives in two completely different worlds apart. No, no. I think um, I think we're we're a bunch of you know creative, innovative people here in the team, um, and I think everybody is on board with you know daring and having the audacity. Mm, interesting. And for people, and this is a question that I'm sure people have asked you multiple, multiple times, but I think that it's a question that everybody asks themselves, right? Especially when they're starting out is how is everything that I'm listening to relevant today? What do you think is the most important thing aspiring entrepreneurs need to consider or need to understand about the nature of business and specifically the nature of beauty business? Mm -hmm. I think identify a need, you know, that is uh, personal that uh that you really feel is obviously you want to look at your market look what's on the market you know just do a competitive analysis what's on the market and then if the one thing that you identify that you need and you can't find then this is a great place to start mm. so identify your own need and then compare it to the need of the marketplace and find a synchrony between those two things yes which is easier said than done. You know, it's a process that takes years. I mean, it could take years. It should take years. I guess that is sort of like the natural expectation that everybody should have. And again, it's, you know, it's my approach to being an entrepreneur and, you know, my approach also of, you know, I come from this approach of sustainability and longevity. You know, uh, there are so many different ways to be an entrepreneur. Uh, that don't really resonate with me. You know, we've seen it in this clean beauty world. It's actually a little sad that's what happened is that, you know, because clean beauty became the fastest growing segment of the beauty industry, a lot of package deal, you know, I call them the the boys band of skincare. You took a celebrity, you took a lab, you took an investor with a lot of money, you flood the market with, you know, advertising. And yes, the company grows really, really, really quickly. It's absolutely unsustainable. They flip the company, they resell it, and normally it just goes down after that. Mm. But that's another way to entrepreneur. You know, it's also that I have no judgment. It's very interesting. It's a, you know, if this is like you want to be more on, you know, the financial approach of it, and if you have the bones and, you know, to to do this kind of thing, this is also great. This is very exciting. And this is what, if this is what excites you, you want to do a quick thing, just go for it. But for me, it was really the, the game-changing thing was, you know, to identify, you know, the needs and what I wanted. And it was the same, you know, going into... Uh, becoming um, a, a, a film, you know, a commercial producer. I I really wanted to travel, and um, I wanted to see the most incredible places in the world and make it my my work. And mm. when you shoot the commercial with a big budget, you know, I went to Tibet. I went to China. I went to all through Africa. I went to South America. I went to, I shot a, a, you know, a film by the Iguazu Falls. I, I mean, I crossed the Amazon River. I mean, I've done like incredible things through the eye of, you know, making a film and a commercial. And through that, I met amazing people also. So that was what I needed. I needed to have that freedom, that exploration feeling mm. with the creative aspect of making a film. And that was amazing. And then and then the next one was I wanted a product that, you know, was a better way to to care for myself, mm. you know, in a way, 
others too and this beautiful planet interesting and is that creativity still the biggest motivator for you today yes <laughs> and what happens when the passion for that creativity means meets the coldness of a market that might be might not reciprocate the creative vision well i think it's you know you 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 cannot be successful at every single you know product that you know that you think is going to be a huge success we're taking a big bet on this ai farming it's also you know complicated to explain in a mm. way you know how do i apply ai to skincare um but the the adventure of working with this engineer of setting or indoor precision farming of growing those flowers um this is what drives me every day this is you know this is wow and um i really hope it's going to be a, an amazing success and if it if not then i'm still proud of what i've done you know i've done something different i've you know i stay true to to myself and to the core value of of this company and obviously you need to have a business mind uh, you know it's just you can't take a risk that you know might take your company bankrupt um that's you know you know of course basic one-to-one business and i think all your listeners know that you have to have that aspect you have to balance you know your <laughs> your your l but uh but yeah take risk you know i don't think you know anything amazing in this world has ever happened without taking risk hmm. yeah yeah it's uh i think i think it's when it comes to risk taking it's it's always that i hear a lot of people say, well i've heard a lot of people say that that i really like is take risks just avoid catas- catastrophes for right? sure <laughs> it's it's okay to experiment experiment learn but don't do drugs, right? Yes. So avoid catastrophic decisions. That's, for that's, sure. yeah. For sure. And this, you know, in life, we all know you can't, you know, like I was supposed to be in LA for two years. It's been 24. So, so you can't really plan everything. We, you know, we live in Los Angeles, a city that is supposed to have an earthquake, you know, uh, a major one. And, you know, sometimes I walk into our warehouses, our lab, you know, and I see all the packaging that's stack up on those, you know, shelves. And I'm, I have this moment it's like, oh, la, la, if we have an earthquake, but if I start to think of all the reasons why, you know, uh, why it could be, you know, a disaster, then, then, you know, you, you don't move forward. Right? Sure. It's, it's, again, it's the, the benefits of ignorance, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. Very educational conversation. Let's see. Just to conclude the episode and everything that we've talked about, when you analyze your career, your good decisions, your bad decisions, what do you think would be the biggest piece of advice that you'd give yourself if you had to do it all over again? Have the audacity. Mm. why what is so fulfilling about audacity i mean it goes with my personality right um i want to you know i you know i sometimes think okay what you know the day i leave this planet you know i want to feel like you know i really experienced um a lot of things 
um, you know, and um, and the only way I'm going to be able to do that is, you know, if I have the, you know, if I dare to do things that, you know, take me out of my comfort zone. Mm. And, um, and I very often, you know, um, speak about this and, and uh, my kids are all grown up now. And, but, you know, I always, we always, I always used to speak with them about you need to step out of your comfort zone. You know, if you're too comfortable, you know, something that if you measure, you have the passion, you know, it has to excite you and scare you a little bit. There's gotta be a little bit of that scary thing. So that's, you know, the ingredient for this is the audacity. Just, you know, go into, okay, let's step out of your comfort zone. And just, even if it's a little scary, not too scary as you said avoid the catastrophe but uh just you know be there be there mm. and the you know the biggest advice i ever you know received in life was from my father who said valerie whatever you do in life never stop learning and i think that when you start to always push yourself outside of your comfort zone you're always learning Mm. because you're getting into a zone where you need to learn you have no choice you know you're stepping stepping there and today it's really remarkable the access that we have in terms of learning through uh, the internet you can mm -hmm. basically learn anything you want today you, just from your computer so the tools are there and um and yeah oh, that's interesting it. And last question, when you're being and you're living a life that's audacious, that is worth it, what about it makes it all worth it? Is it the connections and the relationships that are created because of that audacity? Is it the sense of belonging? Is it a sense of your of living a, a life worthwhile? What is it for you? Yeah. What do you found has I been? For me, it's that feeling when you wake up in the morning and you're really excited about the day that has that is coming mm. and even if it's a difficult day yeah even if it's imperfect and and i think it also comes from you know having survived you know this this disease is you know i have this feeling that i'm given a second chance at life and uh, that every day needs to have a meaning I mm. need to you know very often I go to bed and thinking okay what did I learn today what you know what was you know the 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 big thing that happened today and it can be like you know hearing the birds in the morning or you know you know talking with my shipping manager we just had the memorial day sale and it's been like really crazy so just like really that feeling that you wake up in the morning and me obviously I think that's really important that you know to be able to be surrounded by people that are um you know interesting to you that mm. uh, that really also you know support with you know who you are who you want to be who you want to become you know really have your your you know your vision in mind and um and um and all this I mean really the, the the people that you know grow ingredients for us are just so incredible i've met like farmers that are so passionate when they speak about their product it's like they're like poets you know um 
and they are poets of nature you know they've just like created an organized garden in nature and um and then yeah to answer the, you, the your question i think it's very multifactorial but if you if you're you have to measure it it's how do you wake up in the morning right mm. are you excited about the day that is going to come or does it feel like oh my god the you know the alarm clock is ringing and i'm so tired i don't want to get out of bed mm -hmm. um, just have that excitement about the day that is you know coming to you amazing so measure the moments not the day as a whole yeah and i think you know it's it's very true about you know being an entrepreneur as we, we talked about it how you have all this plan and everything and then excuse my french but shit happens you know <laughs> so it's uh it's not you know sometimes you know people talk about the, the big strategy and you know the big picture for me is very clear it's about you know making the best product possible and then the rest is really like you know day to day it's like what you did because in the end it's every small things that you do every single day even the most mundane thing that you know make make a difference hmm. um, it's really once you've identified your your big picture your big vision after that it's all about small things that you make hmm. every day and what for me what drives me is that you know the feeling that i have in the morning that okay i'm excited this is a new day something is going to happen let's see what you know what this day comes wow Wow. Amazing, Valerie. What a great conversation. I think people are going to find this yeah. very, very valuable. Um, I can't thank you enough for obviously being a guest and sharing not only your lessons, but your time with myself and the audience. So uh, thank you. I really appreciate it. It means a lot. Thank you so much for having me.